what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our show here on TheMesh.TV, where we talk about the world of customer service, how to provide excellent customer service to your customers, your clients, your coworkers, how it can improve your overall organization, organizations who are doing it right, and even talking a little bit about some organizations who are maybe tripping up on delivering that customer service as well. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm with the Jackson Group, a consulting and survey research firm located in North Carolina. And with me is my co-host, Ed Gagnon, with Customer Service Solutions, a firm specializing in helping organizations perfect and improve their customer service environment. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alan? Doing just fine. Doing fine. You can learn a little bit more about Ed's company at cssamerica.com on the web. And uh, I mean, Ed, you've got blog posts, you've got email newsletters, you've got a lot of great resources on the website for people to check out if they're interested in finding out ways to improve that customer service experience within their organization. So Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in our resources tab, we, we probably have references to a couple hundred articles or, or uh, podcasts, obviously, newsletters, you know, it's all free and all really uh, fresh information too. Great, great. Well, I definitely encourage people, if you're listening to this show, obviously you've got some interest in learning more about improving customer service, and that's a great website and resource to go to there. So, Ed, when we get together and talk through our show here, we normally have like a specific topic we're going to go into, and this this episode's no exception. You told me uh, earlier in the week that you wanted to talk a little bit today about research-based retention. I know what those three words individually mean. <laughs> I know what research is, and I know what retention is, but I'm really curious about the concept of when you put it all together, research-based retention. Can you talk me through exactly what that is? Sure, yeah, definitely. And the reason why this has come up is because when we have been talking in the last couple months to different clients, particularly if it's a community college or university, um, or if it's a pro sports team, or sometimes it's private sector clients as well, this idea of student retention or season ticket holder retention or uh, talking to some uh, NASCAR tracks about account retention is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's all this discussion about CRM systems and, and big data. Well, one thing that they're trying to get their minds around, their heads around is how do we actually retain students in, in a way that goes beyond the student experience or, or how do we retain fans in a way that goes beyond mass marketing or advertising? How do we retain accounts in a way that goes beyond just from our gut? These are the three things to do. And the way you you get a little bit more targeted, get a little bit more direct is to make sure you have a strategy that is research-based. It's giving you data, giving you information, and it's part of a strategy that says if we get this kind of an intelligence on our accounts, on our season ticket holders, on our students, on our customers coming in, it helps us to be a lot more targeted, a lot more scientific, a lot more accurate, a lot more successful in retaining our accounts. So research-based retention strategy is how can you create a strategy to gather intelligence on your accounts so, so you have a much better t- chance of retaining them and growing business with them. So this is different than just, I guess, the fly by your the seat of your pants approach of saying, well, we've got so many season ticket holders and, oh, hey, look, let, next year we retained 90% of them. That's great. We're doing really, really good. 
Yes. Instead of just looking at the end results, it's understanding what's driving you to those results and where your strategy needs to improve to to get that retention rate even higher. Yeah, that, that's a, a great example, too, because oftentimes when people think about retention strategy, they are thinking about, well, I want to hit this target. I want to hit this metric, but but you don't just hit a metric. There's a lot of things operationally that need to be done to retain individual accounts, individual season ticket holders. And and what we tell organizations is if you are trying to create a strategy around retention, uh, you, you could have all these high level, very intelligent, very well educated, very well degreed people in a room and they can uh, pontificate on strategies all day long. But a great way to create a strategy, especially when it comes to retention, is to think one on one. Okay, think about I have one account, I have one season ticket holder, I have one student. How am I going to retain that one student? What kind of intelligence do I need to gather on that one person? And then how am I going to use that intelligence to retain them? So to actually walk through the four different key research methods that that are a part of what we recommend in terms of research-based retention strategy, uh, I'm going to have you play a role on the podcast today, Alan. Okay, great. but it's a different role than you normally play. You, usually you are like the the uh, founder and CEO of some major conglomerate or, you know, you are the president of a company or you are the czar of, of this particular organization. But I'm going to put you in a different role today, Alan. Am I not going to have a cool title this time? Because it just seems like you always give me these really great lofty titles and I really, really appreciate that. It boosts my ego every time I'm on this show. It, it does. Well, why don't we say this? I will not give you a title going in, but based on your performance throughout the podcast, I will give you a title title at the very end. Oh, so I've got to earn the title this time. You're not just giving me a title at the very beginning that I get to, I get to lord over over this the scenario. Now I've actually got to own it. I've got to earn yeah. it. Right? I, I call this performance based podcasting. <laughs> I think we've just so, branded a new name of our style of podcast here. Okay, good. I'm, I'm with you. Let's go for it. Okay, so so this is the role I want you to play, Alan. Instead right. of the czar, the president, the CEO, you are the customer. Okay. Ooh, okay. Now, now you get to pick what type of business you're a customer of. I mean, you may decide that you want to be a recurring customer uh, of a restaurant, or you might be a season ticket holder for a sports team. Maybe you are in a customer of an internet service provider. I've got uh, one. You, I've got, so you one. got one. What I, is? I do, and only because I've spent. All last weekend, I'm a big movie buff. You probably know that about me. Mm-hmm. I spent Absolutely. all last weekend at a film festival. I've been helping run a kids film festival throughout the week this week. So let's go movie theater. That's an environment that I have been very, very used to in the last few days. So how about uh, a patron of a movie theater uh, that I enjoy frequently, frequenting? Okay, that's wonderful. Okay, so you are the music theater patron. The movie theater. Movie I'm theater. sorry, movie theater. Movie theater, yeah, yeah. Yeah, movie theater patron. Nothing so against ER. music, but you know, <laughs> I'm a movie guy, so. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, so the, uh, and our tip of the week is make sure you listen to your customers. That <laughs> So that's, that's very good, Ed. I like that. <laughs> thank you very much. So let's talk about uh, Alan Jackson, the movie theater patron. Okay. Yes. Now, I, uh, in order to create a retention and growth strategy for my movie theater, uh, th- this conglomerate of, of 15 theaters we have across the country, or at least the Southeast, and we have six or eight different uh, theaters within this local location, uh, I want to have a retention strategy for my patrons. I don't want to just leave it up to marketing, leave it up to chance to make sure that we're keeping our clients and they're not going to the competitor. They're not looking for the Netflix option or, or other options that could keep them away from my theater. Okay. So what I'm going to do is is instead of just thinking strategically and get all, getting 
getting all these PhDs and MBAs and et cetera in a room. I am actually going to just think about Alan, the customer. How can I keep Alan? Okay? Yes, got the, it. The, the first uh, research method we suggest might seem obvious. We just have a little bit of a twist on it. But if I want to create a research retention strategy, uh, I am going to make sure I have to survey Alan. I'm literally going to have to go to you and ask you, Alan, uh, you know, what? how is your experience? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What are some different uh, avenues that you're you're taking, getting exposed to for entertainment? You know, where else do you watch movies? Where else do you get this information? And I know you come to our theater, you know, at least for two or three movies a month. Um, what would make you stop coming to our theater? All right, so okay. the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to think about you and I'm going to think about all these different uh, characteristics of, of or, or desires that you have for your entertainment needs. And then also try to get a little bit of a feel for why you would stay with us versus why you would go. Now, now, why would I start there? Why would I go to you and start soliciting this information directly from you? Well, I think otherwise you're making a lot of, you, you'd be finding yourself making a lot of assumptions about what your customers are thinking, which is not always the best way to get a strategy started. You'd hate to go down a path of going through all these other strategies and find come to find out that's not at all what the person really wanted uh, from an experience. You you kind of went off on one direction without really knowing the basis for where uh, where they're coming from. That's exactly right. And so many of our clients, even if they're not just purely marketing and they're advertising based like we see in a lot of our sports clients, many of our clients do make assumptions. Or if they do a survey, they do this. They, they get some online survey tool and they utilize it and they survey 100 customers or 500 customers. And then they say, in general, this is what these 500 customers felt about us. This is what these 500 customers say we do well or poorly but they don't know who those specific 500 customers are mm-hmm. because a lot of those online systems, those relatively free systems, don't tell you what Alan said versus Mary versus Joe. So the first key research retention strategy we suggest is you have to be very intentional going to individual clients through surveys or other means where you can gather intelligence on them and document it by account, by client, by patron, and say, this is why they would stay, this is why they would go, here are their other entertainment options, and in other words, here are the competitors where you're at risk, and then uh, these are the retention drivers for that particular account. And just because, Ed, I'm a survey guy, we, we conduct a lot of surveys and all at our company, of course, uh, you're talking about surveys that where we know who the person is, exactly. giving us the data, so it's not a matter of just a generic throw out a a button on your website and just tell everybody to give you some feedback. We really want to know specifically Joe Smith who ordered stuff from us during these months. We want to know what his key motivations were and we want to know that on a per person basis. That's exactly right. Because if you gather survey data and you don't know it on a one-on-one basis, then essentially uh, it it is almost, I don't want to overstate, but it's almost useless from a retention standpoint. That survey data can help you to analyze internal issues, you know, internal strengths and weaknesses. But for me to retain individual accounts, that kind of general data, general results that you get back from some survey systems is virtually useless on a one-on-one retention uh, basis. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I got you. All right, so that's number one is go directly to the, the person, the customer, the client, and get data and information directly from them one-on-one. Right. And the second strategy is – forcing you to, to kind of look in the past to predict the present. Look at the history or else you're going to be doomed to repeat it. So essentially, this is what we call at-risk profiling, where what we want you to do is say, don't assume that every community is 
the same in terms of what clients want or don't want. Don't assume that every movie theater is the same in terms of why the patrons go or, or why they leave, what makes them grow their their use of your theater versus uh, use it less and less frequently. Don't make that assumption. What you want to do is find out what's unique about your particular movie theater and then the, the clients that patronize it. And the way you do that is you actually look at historical data. If you've done a, a decent job of trying to gather data on individual accounts, individual patrons, you look back the last two, three, four years and say, all right, who are those patrons that were patrons of ours two or three or four years ago who are still ours today? You know, what what is what are the characteristics of them from a demographic standpoint, from a utilization standpoint, from a type of music, uh, excuse me, movie that they went to standpoint? And then look at those patrons that were patrons of yours two, three, four years ago that are no longer with you. Mm-hmm. And, and where, what are those characteristics that are vastly different between those who stayed and those who left? So you're kind of creating a profile of the type of account that, that you have that is much more likely to be here in the future versus not be here in the future. And if you can understand, well, what are those key characteristics? Maybe it's geography, maybe it's age, maybe it's the types of movies they're interested in, or maybe there are other types of factors. If you can identify specific to your theater, uh, what are those characteristics that are more likely to to generate retention, then you can apply those to your existing clients. And, And when you're trying to acquire new clients, you know what characteristics you're looking for on those that will tend to be stickier, stay with you, Longer. So the second research method we recommend is at-risk profiling. Look at history to predict the future. Hmm. So, so using that kind of that kind of approach, where you're looking at the historical information, you know, if you if you were to find, let's go with the movie theater example, you were to find that age was a real factor in certain age groups did not come back to your theater very often, where another age group did find yourself yes. to be very repetitive in coming to experience your establishment. That gives you some information. If it's the type of movie you're showing, if it's a uh, time of the year, you know, that, that things go up or down based on uh, what customers are looking to do. So all that historical information helps you understand individuals, what may be some trends or some other factors or demographics that are affecting retention. That's exactly right. So let, let's say it is age, for example. I mean, at that point, you can either say, well, we need to do a better job of trying to create an environment that's conducive for older patrons of our movie theater, or you can hold focus groups with people that meet that demographic that are your current clients. And what do you like or dislike uh, about the experience? And maybe they'll say it's the movie selection. Maybe they'll say you don't have senior citizen discounts. Maybe they'll say the parking is a block and a half away. Mm-hmm. So it's the walk. You don't have good handicap spaces. I mean, there, there might be something there that, that might uh, be a barrier for them to come back. But at least if you've looked at history and you know those characteristics that can drive people away, it helps you to do a deeper dive and either try to correct the, the experience issues or to figure out what strategies we need specific to those who have a a lower likelihood to retain. So basically what we're talking about so far with these first two methods is one is getting one-on-one information about your customers, really get to know what it is that they, uh, what brought them to your organization, what brought them to your your company, uh, what keeps them with you, what uh, what things they do, what things they buy, all those things you can learn on a one-to-one basis. Then the second one is really looking historically at your bigger picture to understand are there certain demographics or groups or trends or things that are driving retention over time. That's exactly right. And realizing and keeping the mindset that my particular theater is unique. Like if I was to have a theater in downtown Dallas 
uh, you know, the, the, the drivers of retention there might be very different than if it was a theater on the outskirts of Shelby or something sure, like that. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it, you have to really commit to the fact that, uh, and the reason why I say this is uh, a lot of sports organizations say, well, every first year season ticket holder is quote a rookie. So anybody who's a rookie is at risk because of A, B, and C reasons. They're overly prescriptive about it in a lot of pro sports teams. But if you say, well, a first year season ticket holder in the upper deck who is 25 years old at the Dallas Mavericks could be very different from a first year season ticket holder who's in their mid 40s. They own their own business. They're at the lower level uh, for the the Charlotte Bobcats, soon to be Charlotte Hornets, right. you know, that that sort of thing. So if you look more specifically at what makes you unique and your clients unique, that that historical reference can help you in your predictive analytics, your predictive retention strategies for the future. OK, great. So we're talking about some 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 research based retention methods. We've gone through the first two. Ed, if it's okay with you, we're going to take a really really quick break, and when we sure. come back, we'll hit uh, the other two. You said you had four total, right? Four total. All right, great. Well, we'll hit the other two when we get back from the break. You're listening to Stepping Up Service with Alan Jackson of the Jackson Group and Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. We'll be right back in a moment. Baseball is back, and the Hickory Crawdads have an exciting season ahead. Join the dads for weekly promotions such as Dollar Day, Fireworks Fridays, and of course, Thirsty Thursday. The Crawdads will also host the South Atlantic League All-Star Game on June 17th. Regular season and All-Star Game tickets are now on sale and available at the Crawdads box office or hickorycrawdads.com. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here with Alan Jackson of the Jackson Group and Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. You're listening to this show here on TheMesh.TV, which is an online network of podcasts, audio, and video programs that you can check out on demand at TheMesh.TV. You can also find this show along with all the other shows on The Mesh Network on Apple iTunes Podcast Store, Stitcher Radio, and several other places where your finer podcasts are being served. Uh, so we encourage you to check those out. Whatever vehicle is most convenient for you to listen to the show, uh, give us some feedback. Feel free to drop us a note at info at themesh.tv. If you've got questions or thoughts about any of the shows we've put on here on the network, we would love to hear from you. Ed, before we jump back into research-based retention and talking about the last two items you had as far as research methods, I've just got to ask you a really quick, very, very important question. Of course. You mentioned the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. Where do you stand on the Bobcat Hornets name? Are you happy about the move back to the Hornets name? I am ecstatic about the move back. Yeah, I love the Hornets when they were here. And then I know there's some debate about whether or not the Bobcats were actually named after Bob Johnson, the the first Bobcats owner. But oh wow, that, I didn't that, even think about that. Yeah. Okay. Because we a, don't have a whole lot of Bobcats around the Charlotte area. Am I wrong? Yeah, but, I mean, is that there, believe it or not, there are some that are out, and that's why that's how they justified the name locally. As a matter of fact, my next door neighbor about three or four years ago swore that she saw a bobcat in her backyard. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, apparently they are prevalent in certain areas oh, okay. uh, around this uh, this. I don't know if we call it the Piedmont or whatever the case might be, but um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see them walking down my street at night. Thank yeah. goodness. But hornets, we know we have hornets. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. I mean, there are hornets. I see them in the I, summertime, I, especially. So killed many of them uh, in my yard. So yes, yes we do have hornets. So well, good. I'm excited yeah, too. I think it's a great nostalgic thing, and I think just the brand really popped when it was here years ago. So I'm very personally happy to see it come back. 
Yeah, me too. So good Great. question. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there, Alan. I hate when we have conflict here. Yeah. <laughs> I know that would have just ruined the that would have ruined the whole rest of the episode here if we were on the same if we were on different pages with that. So. All right. Well, Ed, let's get back to our research-based retention strategies. You've already talked about one-on-one getting to know your customers and asking questions of them. You've talked about kind of developing an at-risk profile by using historical information and trends and trying to figure out where things were going. What's, uh, what's next on your list as far as research methods here? It, well, the third is actually uh, somewhat of a combination of the first two. It's looking at the, the current activity. So just like with the surveys where you're going one-on-one individually looking to the client, and just like at-risk profiling where you're looking at several factor, uh, factors from history, uh, when we're talking about current activity, what you're doing is you're looking at every individual patron, every individual account you have now, and you're looking for what their activity has been like the last three months, the last six months, the last year. So if you know historically that Alan has come to our theater uh, two to three times a month, and I look over the last three months and you've come a grand total of three times, so you're down to once a month instead of two to three, that's a red flag. Right. If it was a situation where you were buying premium tickets to premieres and early showings, I don't know all the theater lingo and terminology, so you'll have to correct you're, me. You're faking it pretty well. Uh, keep Excellent. on going. So good. <laughs> Excellent. So amazing what you can do while you're Googling during a podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding about Thank that. Thank you, Google. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I, I've noticed that you've done these things in the past, but now you're just going for a normal ticket, you know, or maybe yeah. you typically buy four and now you're buying two. So I'm looking at participation levels. I'm looking at purchase levels. I'm looking at dollar patterns. And where I start to see variations, trends down in your current activity, that's a red flag. And that's something that that says this is typically a signal, this lower participation uh, of somebody who's becoming at risk, somebody I need to proactively uh, address to try to retain them. And you know, Ed, what's so interesting is that, and, and I know a lot of people in a lot of different industries and companies and I really, I honestly hear people running companies that will make justifications in their own head as to why some customers are now buying less from them or what's happening with their buying patterns, just assuming, well, it's a season, it's the time of the year, I'm sure economy's tight or whatever. But really what you're saying is right. I mean, we've got to look at it as an individual basis and we cannot just make general assumptions on why sales are going up or down. We've got to look and say, what is it that's really happening here? And let's find mm-hmm. out because those are red flags. We can't, we shouldn't be turning a blind eye to those kind of situations at all. Right. And, and that's interesting that you say that because uh, in a lot of our clients, we'll say, well, why, why are your customers leaving? Why are your accounts leaving? Well, they leave because of three reasons, A and B and C. Right. But, but what they really should be doing is saying, well, look, I know that this particular account is at risk because of this. Yes. And that's different from this. And and when you think about retention, you have to go beyond assumptions, beyond broad brushes, because you as a patron of, of my theater, you make your own decisions individually, your own decisions personally. You don't want to be perceived as being a number. You don't want to take the have the company take you for granted. And so when we're developing a research strategy, we need to have that same mindset as well. I cannot take you for granted. I cannot think of you generically. If you're my client, I don't want to turn you into a prospect where I view you just like some company who doesn't even have you. I, I view you in broad brush terms. If I have you as a client, that's the perfect opportunity for me to get to know you individually and have a different relationship with you, have a different depth of knowledge about you than would a company who's viewing you as a prospect. I see. I see. Yeah. So instead of for the movie theater that I like to frequent, let's say, 
instead of just saying, well, sales are going down, less people are coming out to our theater than they used to, it must be the ticket price. We're assuming it's the ticket price because maybe somebody told us in passing it was the ticket price. Mm -hmm. So let's just lower our ticket price across the board and hopefully that'll get everybody coming back again. Right. We can't paint with those broad strokes is what you're saying. We need to understand what segments and types of clients and customers we have that are not getting what they want from us or are not returning for whatever reason, let's, let's cater to the strategy to meet those different, those different groups. Right. Yeah, Cause when you're making points, decisions from a strategy standpoint that are let's cut our per unit revenue by cutting ticket prices, that is a tremendous financial impact on an organization. But if instead of doing that, they said, well, uh, let's just go to our customers and ask them. Yeah. Or, or let's look at historically what, what trends we've seen and are we seeing those trends today? Or, or let's look at participation levels and are there certain groups, certain individuals who are starting to participate less and less? And let's be proactive about it instead of just uh, throwing our hands up and saying, hey, we've already lost a good percentage. Well, let's start just throwing things against the wall, trying different tactics. Instead, if you're very data-driven, you can be much more proactive in identifying risk, addressing it before the client actually leaves. Perfect. Great. Yep. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. So what is the fourth and final research method for us to consider here? Well, the fourth and final method is one a lot of organizations either don't consider or they consider it, but they don't do a great job of, and that is exit interviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is a certain percentage of your clientele that can be a great uh, research source for you, uh, even though they're no longer clients. And those are the former patrons, the former season ticket holders, the former students, the former accounts or clients. So what we suggest in research method four is to say, Let's just talk to folks who uh, have left our organization. We've done exit interviews for pro sports. We've done it for major universities. And basically what we do is we get these folks on the phone or or to respond to an email survey sometimes, uh, email invitation and a web survey. And we just basically say, why did you come here as a client? Why did you leave? Here are 10 reasons why uh, clients might typically leave us. Uh, how much impact did each of these 10 have on your decision? And what could we have done to have kept you? And even in some cases, those exit interviews can end with kind of a sales pitch. If it's been three months, it's been six months, you know, what what would make you come back? And what are these, what out of these three services, which one might you be interested in uh, through our organization and has your relationship with your current client? So by conducting an exit interview, you find specifically why people left, you're actually asking them. And if you know, uh, and I'm sure you would, the demographic information on the accounts that left, you can, similar to average profiling, say, well, if this is the reason people left according to their exit interview, then who do we have that fits the profile of that particular account? And how can we make sure, since we, we're looking at their loss reasons, they might have similar loss reasons, how, how can we make sure that, that we're addressing those retention drivers, addressing those risk factors on the clients we still have that meets the profile of those that have left? So conducting yeah. exit interviews with those folks who left, learning uh, about them specifically to apply to our current clients, that's our fourth research method. Well, makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, you think about people who have left your organization as customers. Sometimes you could argue that while they're a customer, they're going to be a lot more in tune with what they're getting or not getting. And if you can get feedback from them, it's great. Sometimes, though, I think people, once they've left as a customer, they can look at their whole experience and look at it from more of a, a big picture view and be able to give you a much more helpful understanding of what they experienced while they were your customer. Yes. Um, they're not kind of 
they're able to see the forest from the trees a little bit, have, having stepped away from it somewhat, even though we hate, hated to lose them, obviously. Um, there are really a wealth of information in those lost clients or exited clients. Absolutely. Right. And there, there's two other points to piggyback on what you just said about their broad perspective on their entire life cycle as a client of yours. The other two are, what was that one thing or that tipping point that, that forced them to make the decision to go from your company to a competitor? I mean, what was that, that, that last straw? And the, the additional point is, if they've left you for three months, for six months, they probably have a little bit of a perspective on what it's like to go to your theater or, or my theater, excuse me, uh, versus a competitor. So, Alan, sure. if you had left and I contacted you three months, six months down the road, uh, they can probably give you some pretty good insights, almost like a competitive mystery shop at this point mm-hmm. about what it's like to be a client uh, of my movie theater versus the one you ended up going to. Oh, that's 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 great. That's very true. I didn't even think about yes. that. But they are uh, – they become a little bit of a, I like that, almost like a mystery shopper without yes. even knowing it. Uh, I know sometimes they're going to be uncomfortable telling you what other company they went to or all, but you sure. can still find out some of that good general information about, you know, well, the place I'm visiting now shows these types of movies and has this type of lobby environment and has this kind of staff. That, yes. that is great information to use as you craft your own experience as well. Right. And one last point on exit interviews, uh, and this is something that we've learned over time and we really preach with our clients. Try not to let a hardcore salesperson do the exit interview. Mm. I mean, that can turn a lot of clients off. It can make them not want to conduct the survey. So try to try to make the exit interview more of a soft customer service oriented approach uh, where you literally have somebody who's very service oriented. You know, thank you for having been our client. We're just trying to learn a little bit more about why some of our clients leave so that we can make sure we don't lose valuable clients like you in the future. Would you mind ask, answering a few customer satisfaction oriented questions? So if you go in softer, you go in from a customer service perspective, there's still the opportunity to, to recapture that client, to do the sales pitch by asking a few questions at the end about interest. And if they're interested, then you could follow up with a sales call. But just to make sure you get a good response rate mm-hmm. and you get good openness. And if there is a competitor that, that they've gone to, they may be more willing to share that with you. Uh, try to make it a, a softer entry, more of a customer service oriented approach to the exit interview. Good, good point. You're right, because you yeah. don't want to let that last communication they have with you, even after they've already left, yes. be something that sours that relationship even further. So Exactly. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so we had four great research methods to help with research-based retention, things that you can be performing or doing within your organization with your client base to learn your clients, to understand them, to understand what's keeping them with you, and then eventually, if they leave, what may have caused them to leave, mapping all that information together and using that to help develop your retention strategy going forward. So one-to-one through surveys or interviews or discussion with your clients, get to know them on an individual basis, not grouping them as a giant cluster of your, of your clients. Uh, look at the history of people and the kind of experience they've had with your organization, frequency, types of services they use, and, and be able to map that so you can really start to see when things drop off and that throws up the red flag and puts them at that at-risk category. Mapping uh, current activity to understand what are your customers doing, you know, understand what it is they buy, what they use, what they do, and why and when, and are those levels moving up or down. And then you've got the exit interview process to look at people who you've lost as a client. Can you get some further information from them to help further define your retention strategy and improve it? So. Yes. Well, you did a fine job, Alan. And as a reward, I'm going to give you a a, a title. Oh, what's my title? What is it? it, it you, your your title is uh, 
STP, kind of like the, um, you know, the, the, the oil, oil engine additive. Yeah. Yeah. STP is a super terrific patron. Oh, that, that's what that's you are. You're nice. You're, you're the STP man for, uh, for, for our, uh, fictional theater company. Well, so. great. I, I, yes. I expect to be able to walk into that theater one day and see my picture framed on the wall with that title underneath it. That was the STP for the month of April. 2014. Perfect. Yes. That's right next to you and Richard Petty's number 43. It'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll right. be excellent. Because it all works together there. Exactly. exactly. Good. Well, thank you very much for the title. But sure. Ed, thank you for the discussion today about research-based retention, something we can all work with, whether we have a very small company with a very small number of clients. Retention is still just as critical there. We can't say that retention is only for the big, the big companies with thousands of clients. I mean, it applies to everybody, all sizes. Um, so thanks for those uh, tips on some good research methods and how to use that data to improve retention. Now, Ed, we always wrap up our show with kind of a little trading of a customer service story that we had, something we experienced could be positive, could be negative. Do you have a story to share with us today? Uh, yes, I do. And it's a positive one. I'll tell you what, then let me go first because mine's negative. Okay. And okay. I'll let you in with the positive because we like to end the show on kind of a positive customer service note, if at yeah. all possible. And my example actually does tie very, very nicely into our discussion today because it has to do with a movie theater experience. And I did not even plan that. This was all <laughs> this has all come together very naturally here. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I attend film festivals and in my free time, that's kind of my pastime. I'm just a big movie guy. I love going to different movie theaters, checking out the movie experience in other places. Uh, just in the last 10 days, I think I have seen, gosh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 16 films. You're kidding. No, because last weekend I was at a film festival all weekend and I saw wow. about 10 or 11 there. And then we've shown a few to kids this week as part of a, a local film festival. So uh, I'm probably going to go home this weekend and not watch any movies for <laughs> once because I think I may have actually m reached my maximum capacity in the last week or so. But in all this travels and working in different movie theaters, it's just amazing to me the level of customer service that you can get and how widely it can vary from theater to theater. Even though you technically are sharing the same end product, which is a movie projected on a big screen, the experience you get going into that building and the people you encounter can just really make or break that overall experience for you. Case in point, so there's one I visited recently. Uh, it is a very low-budget, low-dollar movie theater. Very, very simple. They show a lot of second-run movies, but it's in a beautiful historical theater building. But it is a building that has just over time, you know, it's just, it's. I hate saying low rent, but you could just tell that it has really just worn itself down where they, they sell their tickets for the cheapest price they can. It's a very cursory experience. You walk in, you see the movie, you walk back out. Sometimes the floors are cleaned really good. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes the stuff hanging in the lobby is a little ragtag looking, you know, it is what it is. But I did visit one of these to go check out a film recently and uh, went up to the counter to purchase a popcorn and drink. Cause it is a movie theater. You kind of have to do that. Definitely. And, uh, the whole time I was in line, and I was the only person in line, two young ladies working behind the counter uh, continued to have a conversation the whole time I was there complaining about some college, community college class that they're taking and how the teacher is not fair to them in that class to the point where they are ranting and raving about this wow. instructor. While I'm there at the counter, they, I think they maybe glanced in my direction once to, and didn't even ask, you know, what do you want? It just kind of looked to me, see like, what did I want to order? And I was the one that had to say, can I get a popcorn and drink, please? 
they fixed it while they were still talking and ranting and raving and very elevated, loud voices to talk about it. They told me the amount, and I think they did it out of the side of their mouth while they're still talking. Wow. I slid the money to them. They did the change. They slid it back. They're, again, still not having any real true eye contact with me. And, you know, I walked away from that thinking, okay, well, that's obviously not the kind of experience anybody would want to have anywhere. But a part of it, too, is I almost get the impression that they are matching their customer service to the kind of environment that they've created around them. And you just wonder if an organization maybe took the the measures to elevate what that organization was meant to be and stood for, the ripple effect it could have on the staff that work there as well. And then vice versa. I think you could also go the other direction and get your staff to be so high quality customer service, it could eventually permeate the rest of the organization as well. So it's one of those chicken or the egg things. I'm just, I'm curious if, if this theater just happened to be one where that's the kind of culture that they've created for themselves. And now that's the kind of staff they hire, or if by bringing in these staff and not focusing on their customer service level, it actually makes the rest of the organization come across as kind of low quality and low rent. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's uh, interesting to me, but I, you know, every time I go to a movie theater, I think movie theaters, especially these days, that's the way they're going to survive is they've got to provide a really good experience for people. And many theaters are not doing that the way they should. So it's a real it's a real trouble spot for that industry. Yeah, and that's interesting. You were asking the chicken or the egg question. Is it culture or, or customer experience first? And we think they're intertwined. I think in the end, uh, culture is more of a driver than customer experience because if you have a great customer experience, it's usually because you've done something intentionally to create it. You know, okay. there's something internally in your culture. It's not always that way. Sometimes you just hire great people. Uh, and you, you, because they're so good, they can kind of carry the customer experience, even though there's a lot of cultural issues surrounding it. But, sure. uh, you know, that, that that's experience that you had, horrific experience. Mm-hmm. They probably lost repeat business because of it, and they yes. don't even know. You know, they, they probably, uh, if they were doing this retention-based research strategy, they probably would have heard enough complaints, enough uh, concerns about it, and really identified their loss rates enough to where this would not still exist today. Yeah, people I talked to in that area that visit that theater said it's a pretty consistent experience I got. So it's not like I just happened to catch that one person on one bad day. Uh, Unfortunately, it sounds like an organization that just hasn't really embraced a true customer service mentality for its clients. So, right. Yeah. And if they, if they had, maybe they wouldn't have to keep uh, the prices so low. Well, exactly. Know? And that kind of harkens back to the question I had about, you know, do you organizations say, well, why aren't people coming back to our theater? It must be the price and just keep lowering the price and get cheaper mm-hmm. and try to water down the experience as much as possible. And I think that's a very knee jerk reaction to probably not uh, solve the problem in the end. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's your, tell us a positive story so we can end on a high note here. All right. Well, I was very fortunate this week to have the opportunity to speak at a uh, conference, and it was a tax collector's conference. So, yeah, so those poor folks uh, had plenty of horror stories about the irate taxpayer and things they have to deal with. And I'm sure I pay your salary and uh, all those different topics. But uh, I want to talk just a little bit about the hotel. Um, I, I never met the manager at the hotel that I was staying at. I did meet two of the front desk staff. 
um, who were great. I mean, they engaged me as soon as I watched, walked into the lobby. They proactively told me about what conference events were going on at that point and, and where to go for the conference events. They, they were just doing a little bit of small chit-chat while they were registering me, so there weren't long periods of dead silence. Um, I did actually order room service once, and the person on the phone, they were very pleasant. They confirmed my order. They gave me a recommendation when I wasn't sure about uh, one thing in particular I wanted to eat, and they were very confident in that with which made me feel confident that I'd ordered the right thing. Uh, I talked to the delivery person, obviously, with the room service. Very pleasant. They did what I requested. They were very patient with me, very professional dress and demeanor. And uh, the other person I talked to was hospital, excuse me, hotel staff was when I was entering the elevator to check out, uh, one of the housekeeping folks was coming out of the elevator and she greeted me, very warm smile. She said, um, you know, what floor are you going to? And I said, one, and she held the door open for me so I could come in while she exited. She pressed the button for me. Uh, she smiled and, and asked that I have a good day. And it was interesting because I, I met five people. I did not meet the manager, mm-hmm. but yet I know they have a good manager. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can yep. tell that right away from those experiences. Yep. And, and you can tell it because they were so consistent. They were so positive. They were doing all the little things right that you knew that they had a manager who is not only having them technically do things right, but somehow their attitudes were positive. So he or she must have been doing something right in terms of how they hired or motivated the staff as well. I tell you what, Ed, that you hit on what probably my favorite thing to experience when I go somewhere, whether it be at a hotel or anywhere, is when I feel like I am being talked to in a such a great, pleasant manner from the people that work there that really their number one responsibility is not to interact with you and to be that, that customer service face, but they're doing it anyway. That to me, like you mentioned, housekeeping, housekeeping has a role. They have a specific task and a job to perform. The number one duty at the top of their job description is not greet customers and hold the elevator doors open for them. But when they do that, or when anybody that's in a technical job at an office or something that really doesn't interact with people on a daily basis or, or the end user, and they still are showing that level of customer service. To me, that speaks volumes about the organization. I completely agree. That's such a good feeling when those things happen. Yeah. So it was a great experience, and it was a great experience delivered by frontline staff uh, on a one-to-one basis. And, and I didn't even talk about the, the quality of the hotel and the amenities. All I could think about was, man, everybody's so nice. Everybody's so professional. Everybody's so proactive. Everybody's so pleasant. And when you hear the word everybody like that, it gets back to our always culture. You know, there must be something management's doing right. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I'm glad you're able to end the show on that, that story instead of mine, because uh, <laughs> I'm still a little frustrated by my own. Um, but great. So we talked today about some research-based uh, retention strategies, some ways to collect the kind of information or how you should be collecting information on your customers. And then we wrapped it up here with a couple of stories, one negative, one positive about customer service experience we've had recently. So I think that wraps us up for today, Ed. And yes. uh, thank you so much for all your time, your, your expertise, and your information sharing here during the episode. I do encourage anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about improving the customer service environment at their organization to please visit uh, Ed's company's website, Customer Service Solutions, uh, where there's a lot of blog posts from the company. There's email newsletter you can subscribe to, a lot of resources on their resource tab that you can go and view and read. 
right away. And then, of course, you can always reach out to Ed or anybody on his team if you have interest in talking further or learning a little bit more directly of ways that maybe your organization could improve its customer service that it provides. And then I'm with the Jackson Group, where you can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. We are a management consulting and survey services firm uh, that works on employee and customer satisfaction surveys, uh, employee engagement surveys. We do some exit interview work as well. Uh, market perception studies, a lot of great research data gathering information for our clients. So, And then you've been listening here to Stepping Up Service on the Mesh.tv. That is our online podcast network of shows. Everything from sports to music to film reviews to business talk to education, everything in between, a lot of different shows going on every single month. Please check us out at TheMesh.tv or look us up on Apple iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Uh, to find uh, recent episodes or even going back in time to listen to episodes all the way back from the beginning of the show. Ed, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. All right, we'll look forward to talking to everybody next time on Stepping Up Service. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.